Let me begin by thanking you for loving this family so well. Let me thank the greater community for loving Second Presbyterian so well. Let me thank the world community for thank for loving Memphis. And we ask you to continue to pray for us. Everything in this service has something to do directly with Eliza Fletcher's life. Surely you recognize the children's song, This Little Light of Mine, which she recorded for her kindergartners to encourage them to keep their light shining even in the tough times of COVID. And uh, you recognize perhaps those who came to her wedding. These were her favorite hymns. She was a light. She also was a joy. The text that Quentin read for us is, is um, John 11 and the story of Lazarus, Jesus' dear friend who died and whom he raised to life. Lazarus' Hebrew name is Eleazar. It meant Lazarus is a shortened form of Eleazar. It means him whom God helps. Do you know Eliza's name is Hebrew too? Eliza. It means joy. The Old Testament passage that Courtney read from Proverbs 3 was the passage that Liza used for her senior reflection in the Hutchison Annual. It was her senior quote, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Her senior memory, she, someone sent to me, was about her designing her own Nike tennis shoes. She's very proud of those shoes and Richie and Liza still love shoes. She said that uh, in perhaps the race of her life in the pentathlon, she was facing her nemesis, Buki. Buki had already beaten her. And Eliza was preparing for the shot put. And Buki, her nemesis, looked at her shoes and said, girl, your shoes are tight. And Eliza dutifully reached down to loosen her shoes. <laughs> and Buki said, no, girl, your shoes are cool. <laughs> Eliza said it was all about the shoes anyway. Even today, she brings us joy. One more passage from this chapter, verse 9 of chapter 11 from John, Jesus said to his disciples, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles for he has no light. Nineteen fifty four, 
The pilot took off from his aircraft carrier off the coast of Japan for a, a night training mission. The weather was bad, no visibility. And then his instrument panel short-circuited and all the lights in the cabin went out. It was total darkness. Just as he was about to despair, he looked down and he saw tiny lights in the ebony darkness of the ocean. Because of his training, he recognized that it was phosphorescent algae stirred up by the aircraft carrier. And so he dove and followed the little lights until he landed safely back on the aircraft carrier. God has designed this world in such a way that darkness, no matter how deep, can be pierced by the tiniest light. God has designed the world such that darkness must always yield to light, no matter how small. This little light of mine Liza said, I'm going to let it shine. You know, Liza didn't have the resume of a world changer as we count world changers. She struggled through school. Her college soccer career was cut short. She battled her way to finish college many other struggles along the way. And then she got her master's degree and returned to Memphis, Mary Ritchie to have these beautiful boys and to become a kindergarten teacher. But when Jesus is your light, no matter how small, no matter the world's dismissal of you for not having perhaps what it says you ought to have. When Jesus is your light, no matter how small you are, it shines brightly. And this little light, born 34 years ago, is bringing light this day to the world. When we look at God's Word in the light, what do we see? And by the way, the, the message I preach to you is Liza's faith. It's the explanation for her light. You can disagree with the preacher or with theologians or with books, but today it is Liza who is testifying to you of what made her the light that we call her to be. When we look at this passage that Quentin read for us, we find these things. We find, first of all, that 
Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us. He loved Lazarus. And John, without apology and without further explanation, says Jesus loved Lazarus two times. It's said in this passage, and, and all of those standing around and who knew Jesus and knew Lazarus knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Lazarus, and it says Jesus allowed him to die. He doesn't, he doesn't try to bridge those two truths for us, and, and we can't bridge them either. I don't know why God allowed evil into the world. I do not know why God allowed Lazarus to die. I don't know why God allowed Liza to die. I don't know. You don't either. The Bible doesn't even explain it. The Bible tells us how evil entered into the world through the evil one tempting mankind, but doesn't explain why God allows it. Doesn't explain, doesn't answer that question, but this question, this question, it does answer. Does God love us? Does the God who allows evil to persist, does He love us? And that, the answer to that question is clearly yes. How can it be? How can, how can we say that God could allow these evil things to happen in our world and still be a God of love? Only because this God of love choose, chose to save, solve the problem by, by dying himself, by suffering, by becoming a victim to that evil himself. Every religion tries to answer this question. Even non-religion tries to answer this question, how can good and evil coexist in the world? But only Christianity explains that God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son to become a victim of that evil, to die under its curse, for God to lose His only Son in order to bring us hope and to cure evil and bring it to an end once and for all someday. We don't understand that great mystery, but if we can even ask, how does God allow evil in the world? By calling it evil, we by inference, assume there is good, and how can we explain the origin of good except by a loving God who says, I will cure your evil by entering into it, dying in the place of sinners, rising in victory over it, and coming again the great day. Jesus loves us. Jesus loved Liza and he loves us and loves her still. Then we know from this passage that Jesus listens to us. Do you notice the disrespect, the hard questions? Lord, Martha lectures him, if you had been here, 
My brother would not have died. Mary, passive-aggressive, refused to see him. And then when he got close enough, she stuck her finger in his face as too. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The crowds mocked him. If he loved him so much, why didn't he come sooner? And Jesus doesn't rebuke any of them. Jesus listens to us. He allows us to beat our fists on his chest. God allows us to beat our fists on his chest as this preacher has done. God, how can this be good? Where were you? If you had been there, our sister would not have died. I've said that to our God. You can too. Jesus showed us that. He listens and still loves. He doesn't rebuke. He just holds us. But he does more than that. In listening to us, he empathizes with our anger and our pain and our turmoil. When he stood outside that tomb, John says he was in inner turmoil, just as we are today, feeling like we want to throw up feeling like we would rather be anywhere else. When, can this, when will this dream end? When will this nightmare go away? Jesus felt that, and Jesus still feels that. Rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. He still has those wounds. Jesus still has a body. Jesus knows how to empathize with us. Jesus feels our pain this day. Jesus, more than anyone else, can say, I know how you feel. Not only that, he was angry. The word used to describe greatly perplexed or however else it's translated is used elsewhere to describe the snorting of a horse. Jesus stood outside that tomb. He knew what he was going to do. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew he was going to go to the cross and, and uh, face the devil and defeat our sin and make atonement for that and, and rise again from the dead and come back. He knew all of that ahead of time. And yet, when he looked around at all the people crying, as we are, Jesus was angry at what the devil had done to his world, what sin had done to his father's good world and to people made in his image. Jesus was angry. And Jesus, because he's still standing at the right hand of the Father, is angry today. This is not the way it is supposed to be. He says, and he hears those from under the altar in heaven constantly crying out, How long, O Lord, until you bring justice on the earth? Jesus is in inner turmoil, and Jesus is 
angry with us. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And Jesus weeps with us. He holds Liza. She beholds his face. She can't see our pain. Praise God. But Jesus sees it. And he weeps with you. Jesus loves. And he listens while he loves. And Jesus will liberate us someday. Adele and I wept together the other night. We've studied Revelation in our church together and I taught the congregation over and over, no matter what we don't understand about Revelation, we understand this, Jesus wins. Adele said what was in my heart. It seems like Jesus lost this one. I agreed. It does seem that way. But when the Bible teaches us that Jesus wins, it means at the great day. It doesn't mean that he loses now. The darkness has tried to overcome our little light, but the light pierces through. That's Jesus. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but only temporarily he knew he would die again. Jesus knew the only way that he could permanently raise Lazarus from the dead and the only way he would raise any one of us in the future would be to enter that tomb in our place. To die on the cross for the sins of those who ask him to take them from him and give him in their place uh, uh, the righteousness that he came to purchase. And, and Jesus promises to come back and to extinguish death. The place I previously pastored, there was a man whose son died tragically in Memphis also. He's a dear friend of mine, this man in Augusta. We were meeting together and he had been meeting with a the chaplain, and the chaplain had read him this passage, and he, he read him John 11. But he quit reading at verse 37, which is just before he, Jesus raises Lazarus. My friend said to me, so I guess that my, at least my comfort is that, that Jesus knows my pain and Jesus weeps with me, so that will have to be my comfort. I said, there's more to the passage. 
Jesus didn't, the passage doesn't stop with Jesus weeping. The, the passage goes on with Jesus saying, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus did that in order to show us, to give us a real live example of what he promises to do at the great day. This was, a, this was a down payment. He showed that he could raise a dead man to life in order to prove to us that all that he said about himself, he who lives and believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Here, now we can say, okay, I can believe. That man, I've seen him do it. And, and not just, and I know I can believe him that it will not be done just temporarily, but it will be done permanently. That is our defiant hope. Jesus, Jesus will liberate us. My friends from Kentucky tell me that there is a, a plaque on the log cabin where Abraham Lincoln was born. It goes something like this. What's the news down to town, down to village, Esri? Esri answers, old Spellman tells me uh, that uh, he's gone up to Washington to see Madison swore in as president. Uh, Spellman tells me this Bonaparte fellow has captured most of Spain. Uh, that's all I know. What's happening out here? Oh, nothing, nothing tall, except they say a baby is born at old Tom Lincoln's. Nothing ever happens out here. What about November 9, 1987? The other day, I looked up the headlines in the New York Times and the New York Times archives. What were the headlines in... November 9, 1987. Imagine two friends bumping into each other that day at the grocery store. What's the news in the world today? Oh, President Reagan's still having trouble getting through his Supreme Court nominee. The Pope visited here two months ago. They're still talking about the impact of it. My kids are listening to this crazy woman named Madonna sing, causing a commotion. Two Democrat hopefuls for president admitted that they smoked marijuana. What's the news in your world? Oh, nothing. Tonight we're going to go see that new movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And then we hear that Adele and Beasley had a baby girl. They called her Eliza. Means joy in Hebrew. But isn't every baby joyful? Oh. Nothing. Nothing ever happens here in Memphis how profoundly wrong they would have been.
on that day, a light was born. And her light was Jesus Christ, who loves us and listens to us and will liberate us. And all around this world, that light shines. It is right for us to grieve. But let us grieve with hope. Let us carry on the legacy of our dear sister. Let's obey her commandment, sung to us out of pitch. But now she sings in perfect harmony. And she says, don't hide your light under a bushel. Let your light shine. Come to Jesus. Keep coming to Jesus as she did. And let your light shine. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Comfort this precious family and comfort us. In Jesus' name, amen.